Are we ready to rock? Alright. A one, a two, are you know what to do? doing rob good great is that the extent of this yeah we're Can done I go now yeah. wow that was a great <laughs> end later. of the year check-in i have the worst way of of starting 
podcasts. I never know how to start. And I talked about this with Nick when I interviewed him uh, a couple weeks ago. God, last week. I don't even know anymore. Um, he, he said that you always use the paper crump, crumpling as like kind of the, 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 the jumping point when you didn't necessarily know how to start. And I don't know how accurate that is, but has that been something that you've always dealt with when, when it comes to well, starting a segment? I figured out that it, it just it, – you're taught in broadcasting that you're supposed to have this pre-thought-out exact um, – point or line and usually especially in the beginning you're actually like reading stuff that's written for you like uh, you're listening to 98 rock northern california's rock station and then you can maybe say something funny like oh boy it's raining cats and dogs out there so uh call animal control <laughs> but starting things cold is is it feels awkward and it sounds awkward to to those of us that do it all the time um, but the truth is, it's not It's not really that. It's not, it, there's nothing wrong with just starting a segment and saying, hey, just a reminder, the turkey brine's uh, almost out. Nobody's thinking, well, that was strange. Right. But the, the, the crinkling of the of the emails is is a great way to let people know as you're coming back from a commercial break, okay, he's about to read an email, oh, something's coming up. Perks their ears up a bit. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it has that, uh, what do we talk about, EMDR effect yeah. as well. AMSR? AMSR, yeah. AMSR. ASMR. See, I always want the D in there. Well, yeah, I know what you mean. So, yeah, I just wanted to have you on to basically go over the year. And it's been, I can't even remember the last time. I think it was you and your wife, Christina, that was the last time you appeared on the broadcast. And Did we, did we, now, you know what, because it was so long ago, did we do the pig bowl this year? We did, that was the last one, and I forgot that one because I was sick or something at the time. And so that's why I had you in, and I was also afraid of all the cops. And Plus, that's in January, and it doesn't feel like that was still this year. Oh, my God, it was. I was just scrolling through my photo album. I was looking at the pictures from the pig bowl, and I thought, I thought that was like last January, but this year has just been a, a shitty fucking year for, for everybody um, on various different levels. But um, for you, I feel like, so I, I, I could do, I could spend this whole interview kissing your ass and, and, and telling you that works how great you've been, okay. but, but <laughs> That's fine, go for it. But do honestly, you have notes? I, well, <laughs> I do. And in fact, I just, I have to commend you for being able to push through all of the bullshit and consume everything that we've had to consume while filtering it all out and still maintaining this level of professionalism and, and running the show. Um, it's just been something that I've marveled over as the years progressed back in March or April. I just noticed that you hit a serious stride that, that I knew there was no coming back from. And I, I've seen you pull the get, pull the gas pedal up back a little bit recently, but not much. Um, but I feel like that's because we're all kind of getting a grip on on what's happening and how we deal with it. But man, it was it was just one thing after another. The world's changing by the hour, and I, I just don't know how you do it. How did you keep your composure really through all of that? You do it. You do it because you feel an obligation to do it. The keeping the composure part is, I think, a function of having an understanding that I still have total control over my life and my decisions and as out of control as the world is or everybody's reactions are, or that our emotions are, if you have that 
foundational understanding that, hey, I still get to choose whether or not I'm going to have a good life. I might not get to choose whether or not the restaurants are open or I can go to movies or uh, whether or not I, I, I have places I can go where I can't wear a mask. But that then I still have that, you know, that what's that old stupid phrase? You choose your happiness. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the composure part comes from. It's not like, as you know, we've talked about I had bad days. Oh, of course. Um, and, and I had a couple shows where it, it it was not me at my best for a variety of reasons that were all 2020 related. Um, but that's that's probably it. And, and I think also the perspective of remembering not just that all that philosophical crap that you have control of your life, but that I have a really good life. Yeah. And it's it's not it's that's not no one can take that away from me. Only I can no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, when this all started, we, we were we had every reason to be very concerned about the future of our show and in the industry. Right. However, um, how that story was going to turn out was still completely in our hands and mainly my hands. And that's why we made the adjustments that we did. And I know it makes some people feel bad admitting this, but we're on, we're on that list of people that have actually thrived in 2020. We have had a spectacular year uh, in, in, as a company uh, revenue wise and it's all a direct result of decisions we made early on so if the opposite would have happened uh i can't take credit if i wouldn't have taken blame mm-hmm. and so you have to be able to remember those things too yeah even with uh even before covid the industry of radio was on shaky ground as it was so to be able to hold that position and not even not just hold it but make it stronger um we were hedging a lot of bets on on the company that runs our flagship station and, and all the decisions that they were making too. So it's almost like, obviously they saw our value and they wanted to maintain that. But like, like you, I felt like it was the obligation to show up and do what we needed to do. Because even when we had those bad days, uh, Lord knows I've had them too, that there was, it didn't matter because it was our presence and it was our, it was us showing up and doing our thing that helped bring peace to so many people because there's no, and I was talking about this with Nick as well, that there's no other media out there that does what we can do where we can be completely honest, completely uh, uh, vulnerable and, and open about everything that we're experiencing without any agenda. We have our beliefs, but we don't. And I, this is just one thing that we've done uh, more recently with the show is that we have opened the floodgates for everybody's opinion and not necessarily slamming down people's ideas. The uh, first of all, the radio industry, which yeah, it was barely hanging on uh, before this. Everybody's got to remember it, it literally lives off of advertising. Well, if you don't have businesses that are open, you can imagine what has happened to advertising rem- revenue. And uh, the radio industry has cut between 33 and 50 percent of its entire workforce and those jobs are never coming back. And the the people in radio have told me they're never coming back because they've figured out ways to do things uh, cheaper and get more out of the people that are are still left. Um, and and then in terms of what you segue to there, the, the, the second part of not just us being, you know, like a, a form of comfort of just mm-hmm. being here. Um, the other the other thing that went with that was the. There, within the radio industry, one of the concerns that I had in – I actually had it in late March – was when I realized 
that I had come to the the realization that there were a lot of things to question about this mm. and that it was going to get very ugly. Mm-hmm. I did I did then have to make a decision of, well, do I begin going down that road and taking the audience down that road and explaining what I'm seeing and why I think it in a way that I do, which is not, I try not to you know look like a kook. Instead, I try to bring people, even though I've already come to a decision, mm-hmm. let's start laying some things out here. Or should I just kind of toe the line under the guise of what if what if people really do leave us? And so for for six weeks, I, and I, I made the decision that I've always made, because after this long, you kind of have a template for how you make decisions. And mine was follow my instincts. Yeah. And so for six weeks, we were flying blind where we had we began to turn the coin. It's not like you or Don knew I'd made this decision because I, I want you to go through the journey on the air with me. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, guys. Uh, have a meeting where we're, we're going to start. I'm going to start questioning some things on the air. Uh, you know, you guys need to question them too. No, that's not what we do. And, and so for six weeks, we're, we're starting to bring up the, wait a minute. It was two weeks to flatten the curve. Wait, okay. Now it's four weeks. Where does this end? Oh, wait a minute. Now we're seeing that no masks and now masks. And, and remember, I mean, it's, it doesn't take that long before you're at Memorial day weekend where everybody's heads are exploding. People go out, because it's the first time they can go out, and people are pissed now. You shouldn't be going out. You're going out. Remember the super spreader events, the Missouri Ozone? And I'm wondering the whole time, are we, are we, are we losing our audience? Because we're getting the emails that we've 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 gone nuts. I've lost my mind, and then then we finally get the data, and the ratings literally set records. I mean, just extraordinarily stupid numbers. And so you said um, something about what, uh, our affiliates having faith in us or believing in us that that goes away the minute our audience does right the the minute the the minute especially if we are not (laughs) towing the line if we are not saying what everybody says you're supposed to say whether it's now whether it's 9-11 whether it's 2008 doesn't matter um and so uh, when when the numbers came out that made us and since they've sustained there that's what insulates you no matter how many hate calls or complaint letters they get and i'm sure it's many mm-hmm. they just look at the ratings and go in this industry right now we'll back them yeah and we were, i think everybody was flying blind especially during that time in march april well into may people were just confused didn't know what they were doing everybody was losing their jobs losing their minds and at the end of all of this, I think history will show that this was actually there's going to be a lot more positives than negatives. I'm hoping, oh and that's the God, optimist. You're still optimistic. That's the optimist <laughs> in me. But I think you know if you if you look at the the events over a long enough period of time, that even though it's so awful right now for so many people on such a large scale, I think that it's going this this is all shaking down and showing us all our true value and our true worth. I've been I've been um, comparing all of this to be some similar to putting a mirror up to each other and really having to sit with ourselves and sit with our thoughts. I mean, we're sheltered in place. We're not able to socialize. We're not able to go anywhere to relieve that, that pressure valve. Mm-hmm. So what else are we going to do? We're going to sit here and stew on all of our, our faults, all of our, our, uh, all of our highs and our lows and, a lot of people are figuring out that there's a lot more lows because before COVID, we can just escape and and run away from our problems. <laughs> but instead, we have to live with them in our own home. And um, <laughs> sometimes what we're living with in our own home is the person. And we went, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a little close to home. Um, <laughs> Was it meant to be? <laughs> no, I know. It's it's funny though because it, there's there's so many people going through their lives and relationships and uh, business partnerships and and jobs where. Um, we're all realizing that weren't that great. And it, this is all a good thing. I think that it's going to push us all into directions that we feel more fulfilled. And, you know, the, the numbers don't lie, especially when, when you're, you're worried about losing the audience because we're speaking our own truths. I think there's more of people like that out there than there are being reported on the news. And I, there's this, I think that there's this uh, blockade of media and propaganda to a certain extent that is keeping us all on our toes to believe that we aren't in control, but really we are. And like, you know, you, you say you're, you're in control of your happiness and your position in your life. And that's one thing that I'm very fortunate uh, to, to, to have now, at least in this year, looking back, I've been able to just kind of sit back and adjust to the fact that I can't go to bars and restaurants and I can't go to the movies and I can't necessarily travel where I want to. My life is still pretty good considering, you know, all these other personal issues that I'm dealing with. But all in all, on the whole, I'm actually pretty happy. And I think I've found my happiness throughout all of this um, a little bit, a little bit easier, um, you know, with, with the help of friends and, and mentors and family. And I think the positives things that the more positives in the end thing, if if people do what you just described, that it's nothing, it's it's it's, it's this giant flow of self-reflection and then life altering changes for the better i can i absolutely agree with you and if people do that that that'll be wonderful um the the negative one that we wonder is and people can still do all that despite what i'm about to say is to the extent to which we will we will do an honest autopsy of this whole thing mm -hmm. that we will look back as a society and we will somehow admit okay the look, everybody, these are the things we did have to do. We had to do the first lockdown. We, we the, the theory behind flattening the curve makes complete sense. And we don't have to waste time explaining it here. People can ask if they want later. Um, let's all admit that was right. Let's stop with the lockdowns never work thing that that was that was an effective idea at the time. But can we also admit that more than two or three weeks devastating to the to to the economy the psyche the mask thing will we will we be able to honestly look back and go here's what we did right here's what we did wrong and oh by the way we're not doing this just for the next pandemic mm -hmm. in 10 50 or 100 years we're also going to apply this to other things we're doing with our public policy that society goes along with that's the one i the, the, the one i concern myself with on the negative side but it's still in the end, doesn't affect our ability to have good lives. Right, and but I, I agree with you, and I that I think that's I share the same thought process on the negative side because we are literally setting the precedent for how we move forward procedurally uh, in, in politics, in business, because that's all. The, that's the only thing that that it seems that this whole COVID thing is is really affecting is the big business and politics, because they are in bed with each other. Mm -hmm. But at the same time. They need us to be living in this state so that we continue to rely on them. Yeah, and, and I, I just and I just honestly don't know the answer of a year from now. Let's pretend that whatever it is that the victory party over COVID is declared is declared sometime before or during summer of 2021. Whether it's vaccinations, we've had it. Who knows? How how do we all react just to getting the flu? Mm -hmm. 
Because this is still one of those questions that we won't know till we get there. Yeah. Will we all go back to the mindset of, okay, well, fine, it's just the flu. I mean, 50,000 of us are going to die. That's nothing compared to COVID, which was by then probably you know close to half a million in America. Um, or are we all just... Does the flu season come and we start doing distance learning because it's flu season and 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 all that crap? I, I don't know. It's it's I I'm more I'm more fascinated by things that you alluded to like how for those of us, which is most of the country, that have had to endure long lockdowns um, or or predominant lockdowns. How will we socialize? Yeah, because we've already talked before about how awkward it can be. Because you bring up going to bars. Well, my God, I can't even barely remember. I've spent most of my life in bars. I can hardly remember what it's like to walk into a room filled with strangers, sit shoulder to shoulder, start talking crap with them. And it doesn't count with this limited capacity, you know, outside dining. It does not compare to what it was like. Especially because socializing is still discouraged Mm -hmm. and people go along with it. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah. (laughs) I already feel like I've lost that that touch. Even I've, I've, I've gained new acquaintances and new friends who I've met over the phone or over the internet. And even that initial phone call, it's like, I don't know what to do. Where do I put my hands? Um, You know, I want to go back. I don't want to talk about COVID the whole time, but I do want to go back to uh, April and and March and April. I don't know how much you want to dig into this because it is pretty behind the scenes, but I think there was one moment that I've ever feared the future of my career. And it was around that time, not because of COVID, because of just drama that was going on behind the scenes. And there was this meeting um, where you uh, had Nick, fat producer Nick, come up and uh, sit down with us and just stop me if you don't even want to go any further. But um, I'm going to keep it as, uh, as uh, you know, what is it? Generic? Yeah, sanitized as possible okay. so that we're not giving away too much information. Um in this meeting, we all all the staff shows up. Nick is sitting there, and you come. You're not even sitting at your desk, which I think is important. Is an important detail because you're normally just sitting in your chair. And I'm like, what's going on? Just sitting around waiting, waiting for the thing to start. And uh, you say Nick's going to take over the meeting, and you walk out of the room. And my went home. My, yeah, my. I, I mean, I, I knew that this meeting was happening. You prepared us for that this meeting was happening. I kind of could tell that you know. I'm not going to air all the dirty laundry, but there was some some issues behind the scenes. People were not working and playing well with others. Exactly. And so in a very small team where that's not allowed. Uh, yeah. And with especially with people who have been working together for so long. Um so Rob leaves, Nick uh hands out a pamphlet, which is, you know, a four-page email basically of uh from from you to Nick. And um he says, "I just want you to read this and then we will continue the meeting." I don't know if you had him do that by design, but I think that was brilliant. He, he and I met the day before, and I, I just laid out the what the accomplishments we were looking for were, and mm-hmm. told him to figure it out. And we read the email, and there were words like, uh, "I don't need to be doing this anymore. I, this is supposed to be something fun. Um, uh, I'm not. I didn't get into the radio to do this part of the job, and it, all." commendable and respect. I respected everything that I saw there, but the fact that you had gotten to that point where you were ready to just throw in the towel and take a year off, that horrified me. And I feel like the staff picked up on that when it was finally my time to talk after all the bickering had died down. Um, was that hard for you to do to, to put that whole meeting together? Obviously things have turned out for the better since that was way back in the spring. But 
I mean, that that was a really big uh, it was it was a very pivotal moment, in my opinion, for how I viewed my career moving forward. So was that difficult for you to do? In what sense? Like to 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 even lay it out there like this has gotten to this point and I just don't know if I want to do this. anymore. because no, it was true. Really? It, it was completely that was the, that was the, the whole point. And it took me I, I don't remember if it was a couple weeks of the whole process of talking endlessly with my wife. And the minute that I got to the point where, where I said out loud and realized that that was true, that there, look, there's things about being a boss or being a manager or being a leader always that are annoying Mm -hmm. or, or, or worse. The combination though, of this particular type of issue that we were dealing with being one of those things for me. And the fact that I don't have to do this mm-hmm. is what made me go, fuck it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember saying to Christina, I don't have to do this, you know. <laughs> Why, if, and and I, maybe, you know what, I could be misremembering. She might have been the one that said it to me. Really? And, and, and in that exact way, you realize you don't have to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't mean you can just fire person A, person B, person C. She meant you don't have to do this because... You know, we always have backup plans and other ideas and, and think like, you know, if things would have gone wrong when on the air in April and May when we were expressing a, a different opinion, I knew what I would do if we got dropped by our affiliates. So I'm always, I'm always thinking that stuff. Um, so when it when I made when I came to that realization, then the next thing I realized was, well, since I don't have to do this and I don't want to deal with this, I'm not going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly how I got to. Nick, other than I've used him before for such things, he's very talented at being a middle manager guy, a peacekeeper, a see all sides, give everybody a voice thing. And um, once I figured it out, I said, that's it. And if Nick can't fix it, then I'll make whatever decisions have to. And, you know, at that point, then it becomes, well, it depends on how everybody reacts, because maybe somebody's going to show themselves as the problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody's going to say the right things but not do the right things, which will show itself a few months later. Um, or um, it, 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 it'll it'll implode or it'll fix itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Those those are, I guess, the four choices, which I think I repeated one of them. Um, and the minute Nick left my house after we prepped it, which was before the meeting, the day before the meeting, I, I was done. I was at totally at ease. Wow. I knew that because I knew it was all handled well, I'm because glad everything that. was going to become clear at that point. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because there, <laughs> we never really had a follow up to that meeting. And I guess that's kind of I'm selfishly bringing that up because I just wanted to get inside your head a little bit to, to figure out what what it was. And I'm happy to hear that because that's how it felt, you know, mm-hmm. intuitively. That's that's what I picked up on. But, um, yeah, that was scary mm-hmm. that, for me. But at the same time, I I was more determined than ever just to prove everybody else fucking wrong because I wasn't ready to admit it yet. But I I am now that I belong here. This is where I belong, and I've I've earned my right to to be here and stay here. And if if you're not going to be here, then what the fuck am I going to do? My backup plan before before COVID was to be a fucking bartender. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I and there's, well, and there's obviously there's some obvious psychology to the approach that was taken there. Because fear is a motivator. It doesn't have to be a negative motivator. Right. And especially because I wasn't the problem. It's mm-hmm. not It's not like I was saying I'm not willing to do my job as a boss anymore. I was saying I'm not going to be a, a kindergartner teacher, basically. Right. Which means it's one of you guys or two of you guys or all of you in this room. 
And so that's that whole pit each other against each other or or pit three of you against one in in not in a literal sense like this is you doing this wrong. It's more like a um, we've got to fix this mm-hmm. or or we find out that maybe one or two of you go, you know, what? I don't want to do this anymore. Anyways, I don't need this anymore. Anyways, <laughs> and sometimes people are too prideful to, to come to that conclusion on their own and they have yeah. to be shown the way. Yep. Um, I'm not I, I didn't want to make this a whole slurp fest, but. This is one of those things that I really respect about you that you can sit in a room with any type of personality, any type, and you can hone in and and you can either put them in their place or pull something out of them that normally somebody wouldn't be able to do because they have certain defense mechanisms or obviously this must be your your community college psychology uh, <laughs> training. But From 30 years ago, but yeah, this is this is that natural instinct of being a boss, but just being. Being somebody who can read people is one of those really cool qualities that not a lot of people have. And I, I've always really respected that. There was one meeting that we had recently where I didn't even need to say anything. I just sat there. We didn't even talk to each other. And we had this particular person come in and we were going to you know, cover a very serious issue. And I just watched in awe as you just played this person like, like a puppet. And it wasn't manipulative, but it was productive in the sense that you can just – tap right into that and and move with it is is that just the gift of gab is that just your your uh your sixth sense or is that something that has come with time as as being a boss yeah i think it's probably all all three of them combined and it's also the fourth thing the the motivation of the moment mm-hmm. uh and i i passionately love my career and and i love what what we do and so that is a heavy motivator because um I don't always use that gift and that ability in social settings because right. and, and and so over the course of my life, I've been accused at times, you know, girlfriends or people of being antisocial or no fun or not engaging. Mm-hmm. And my answer has always been that's because I don't care. I didn't I don't like that person. I don't feel like I need to pull something out of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their response is a, is a, a justifiable response like, well, we're at a party and you're not saying anything, <laughs> you know, for example. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so the motivation thing is a big part of it because I could do that everywhere. I could be that guy that walks into every room and does what you're talking about with at least most or all of the people all mm-hmm. the time. That sounds a little exhausting to me. First Draining, of all, raining, yeah. Um, and that is one of the things that Christina and I share, and and has made it made that a non-issue in our life because she is literally trained in behavioral studies as part of her work with the army mm-hmm. and she and i are, we do have the ability to read people and to get an instinctual feeling about them and so sometimes we're and and, and we're both kind of uh, to a certain extent the don't really give a crap kind of attitude mm-hmm. and so a lot of times we will we will use that as the way we socialize. Like we're going to act on the drive home. We're going to talk about all these people right. where I've come halfway with her is, as you know, for being around her, she's very social, mm-hmm. very uh, uh, typically uh, stereotypically Southern woman wants everybody to feel good. Has that smile that lights has up the, the room and, and yeah, <laughs> occasionally. And so I meet her halfway in terms of um, the motivation. There is my love of my wife to, to do more socially, be more at social in those events with people that I might even be thinking, I am never going to see this person again. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about them at all, but I need to, for my wife, mm-hmm. not only not be an asshole, but participate, be social. 
it's important to her that people walk out of those rooms thinking good about her husband. And that can in that in that social thing and the way she grew up, that's important to her, even though we both don't give a shit about a lot of other things people think. If it's important to her, that's the motivation. So I do it. It's a really interesting concept to uh, consider your partner's feelings and uh <laughs> it's it's a long you know? I will tell you it's a long road to get there for a lot of people because I think for most of us our initial response is if something's important to you that I think is stupid it's your problem. Right. And and I I I I do think it's kind of stupid to care what people think about who who you're with. But what what how, where how, what I try to do is I try to talk that through to the end. So what's the end game on this? Am I going to change Christina to uh, uh, and the fat and how she's built? And do I want to because I fell in love with her this way? Mm-hmm. So am I am I because that sounds like a, a marriage filled with a lot of angst and anxiety and fighting and and disagreements. And what is really being asked of me here? I'm I'm being asked to be the person that I am, not be fake. Mm-hmm. Just be the put forth the effort to be who I am because that's all that's going on in these settings, right? Is I, oh God, I don't mind being here. I just don't want to talk to people because I do that for a living. Right. So all you're asking me to do is be myself because it's important to you that that people don't think you're married to an asshole. Yeah. Is that really where I want to plant my flag? But it takes a long time to get there. True. The go-to move is that's your problem. That's a dumb thing to think about. And a lot of people aren't willing to put in that type of forethought, foresight and into those types of compromises that people have to make. Um, and it, it is interesting that that it, you can be clouded by so many different things and almost like, well, it's just easier just to deal with it than to confront it. And yeah. you know, I know personally I've, I've been dealing with that uh, more recently but uh to that note when um you had nick There's a lot of foreshadowing going <laughs> I, I, on i know here. i know I, it's like i live in a shadow right now and i kind of like it i kind of like the uh the calm before the proverbial storm um this will all make sense some other time but we uh, had nick come in you know in under that guise under that umbrella of things going on in my personal life nick was flown out here recently to cover for me so i can take some time for myself after my my episode which <laughs> by the way like did did you think i was like being dramatic at first when when you heard about all of that or did you see did you could you see it coming yeah, I, I saw felt, it coming i felt it coming no i saw it, it was not a surprise to and, christina or me and at i all. asked at home uh, that I would ask constantly. I would check. I do this check-in thing, similar to what I do with you during the show. I'd be like, is everything okay? I do that at home, and, and I will look at myself in the mirror, and I think, man, you don't look right. You don't look good. And knowing that and having that idea in my mind, I would ask uh, you know, people at home, and, and they just say, no, no, everything's fine. Well, you'll, you'll re- I don't know if you'll remember, um, but for a couple weeks leading up to you winding up in the hospital, you and I had been communicating a lot more mm-hmm. about – work, uh, uh, tasks being delegated, um, the future. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was already thinking about Kyle, the new guy. Yeah. Uh, under the setting that the, the, the team was formed then for that exact reason. It's just that I wasn't able to get to you quick enough with a, a, a potential work solution that would alleviate what happened, which I think, by the way, what happened was inevitable anyway. Yeah. Because I, I, I have my own theories about what puts you there. 
Yeah, and which I, we can discuss some other time. No, publicly. I, I do. I, I do too, and they probably line up pretty well. Um, especially after what I've learned from like other nurses and medical professionals. Um, you know, th- there were substances in my system. I admitted that on the air, but I wasn't out of control. So it was definitely not something that I had in, uh, induced myself from consumption. But even if you had, I could explain why. Sure, yeah. And At I, least I, I could from my psychology experience in community college. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually grateful in, in retrospect, looking back at everything that had happened, I'm, I'm grateful for the turn of events after that. It's almost like the universe said, shut the fuck up, sit the fuck down, pay attention to what you're doing and think about your future. And I, and well, if I, I will, I would say this somewhere within a week of that incident, Christine and I were talking about my concerns over your well being, mm. And we, I, I think we together mapped out the, the three ways or maybe four ways that it was going to go. And they were all very severe. You were going to make some major decisions on a timeline that I had no control over that, that we thought was going to be the way that your life would improve. Um, and, and I forget what they all were, but one of them was, I remember saying, he's going to wind up in the hospital. Really? So that your, your question of, did I think you were being dramatic or whatever your term you used? Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of went, yeah, okay, well, I guess it was that one. Wow. And it's, it has nothing to do with being dramatic. It was inevitable if those other scenarios that, that we had talked about didn't happen first. That's I was I was glad it wasn't as serious as as it could have been. Me too. And I mean it was it freaked me the fuck out. Honestly, when I when I woke up, I was just I was frightened because I I I didn't understand the fragility of my life until that point. I've been in trouble with the law, I've been in jail, I've been in certain instances I've I've experienced uh disease and death all my life, but Never to the point where it was like, ah, oh, you need to, you need to watch out for yourself. It was always you, you wear the, you wear the armor, you keep mm-hmm. shrugging along, you keep, you keep the strength up, and you'll, you'll, you'll prevail. But that it, it buckled, and everything just said, nope, you gotta, you gotta reset. So after all of that dust settled, even more shit happened. My grandma died. My dad had a heart attack, and you know a plethora of things just kept spiraling out of control which led to uh, flying nick out here and you made a point about him having this amazing skill at being like a middle manager and, and rallying the troops it was just what we needed here i think in this building to set the tone for the future you had already had the pieces in place maybe we couldn't get the new guy kyle here fast enough but i think it needed to happen that way so that not only so that my job could be exposed for how difficult and complicated it is, and some of that might be because of me, like maybe some, <laughs> maybe the way that I do my job is a little bit more complicated than it should be, but it's the way we do things here, and it's worked, and it's gotten us to where we are, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but uh, it, not having me here was able to expose that, you know, and I think that... Um, I just felt so much better when he was here and, and being able to step away was frightening to me. So I'm, I'm curious how it felt for you to have me step aside and have Nick come in, um, knowing that he had enough of a safety net to keep things going. I'm just curious how, how that all went down. Cause I still, I still haven't listened to the shows. 
that no. I wasn't oh, here. Oh God, you have to. They're I, so fun. And that's what Nick said. They and really I, are. I look forward to. Li- I'll probably listen to them uh, during our vacation. But um, especially, especially because you're in a better place. So that very first segment. Where inevitably, when you do something like this, you just know things are going to fall apart. They did. And it was so funny. I mean, that, that, is, that is one of the funniest segments of the year. But it, it actually, back to your, your other point, um, when I was in Brandon's going to wind up in the hospital or these other things mode, I had already emailed Nick. So before you got to the hospital, I had, I had communicated with Nick two or three weeks prior under the guise of, I see where Brandon's headed. And I've got a long-term plan if, if because one of, one of the, the scenarios that was laid out was that you wouldn't work here any longer, mm-hmm. either because you, you spiraled and did something that I couldn't fix, um, or you, you quit mm-hmm. because, again, you're, I mean, at that point, you're quitting this job, you're fucking nuts, right? right? Um, and, and so my, my message to Nick was, I've got a long-term plan. I don't have an immediate, here's what I can do, and we can't be running best of shows in 2020. Mm-hmm. So I need you on call. Can you do that? And and obviously these were much more extensive conversations. And he said, yes, I will drop everything. I will get on a plane and we'll figure it out. And so when we got to that point after your hospital incident, that was literally the message to Nick was, we're there. And he said, tell me mm-hmm. and tell me how long I have to be there. Once he was here... I didn't I was not thinking about in the literal sense you not being here because I knew like you said we had it set up to where barring some really unfortunate or unforeseen technical thing that maybe would even challenge you if you were here mm-hmm. that we could keep the show on the air which is all I cared about because I can handle the show without you for a few days mm-hmm. and Nick's funny, and he can be funny. He can be used. Don and I have done this long enough, all that. My, my biggest concern was getting you out of here and what you would look like when you came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two days while you were gone, I had prepared myself for them to be a disaster. Right. And um, in, a, in a non-literal sense. And so what you've seen over the 15-plus years you've been with me that I have greatly relaxed my expectations in terms of recognizing we're always striving to do the best we can, but almost nothing is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the last time you saw me explode over anything because at some point you realize it's not – I don't want to say it's not – It's certainly I'm not trying to say it's not important. I take what we do very seriously. Mm-hmm. But but when you're younger or, or bored or experienced, you get worked up over the dumbest shit. Oh, yeah. And you eventually realize this is not that big a deal. So this the, the technical problems that we had with, with Nick – are the kinds of things that probably 10 years ago my head would have been exploding over. Sure. But instead we made them funny and we were prepared for them and we were honest with the audience about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I wasn't aware of of you, your role as the backbone of getting the show on the air every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm the backbone of the show being, of the show executing the content, mm-hmm. then you're the backbone of getting it on the air mm-hmm. with everything behind the scenes. That even if we explained all of it, first of all, it would be boring as shit. Yeah. <laughs> People would never <laughs> understand or appreciate it. Um, so that was no surprise to me. I was glad that, that Nick got to see it, mm-hmm. how much the industry's changed since he's been hands off, that, that Dawn had her suspicions confirmed about how important you are. And that the audience actually got to literally experience the world without Brandon so that they, too, could go, 
oh, so Brandon disappears and audio files don't go up for four hours after the show? This mm -hmm. is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I didn't. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not puffing up my chest and going, yeah, see you guys. I'm more more or less saying thank you that uh, that that we've been able to get to this point without it turning into an explosion on any part, you know, from the listeners, from you, from the staff. It's almost like we've created this fellowship and of understanding and it's 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 helped me. I don't know if you've noticed the difference since I've been back from that trip yeah. that my life has been really good at least in mentally and, and, and I guess spiritually, I've been getting a lot more strong, strong, a lot, more strong, mm -hmm. a lot stronger. That's good. And I've been feeling like my, my spine has been growing back. And that's my, my spine was a complete linguine noodle before I, I went to the hospital. So uh, I, I appreciate that, that, that you even had that foresight because I didn't even think about that. I was asking the question about like what it was like while I was gone, but knowing that People, you can't put anything past Rob. He he is always <laughs> thinking about things way further ahead than you will ever you you'll ever know. And I think that that another thing just gotta kiss your ass a little bit more on that. Um, that reminds me, you reminded me about um, Nick getting exposure to how the industry is right now. And after that first day of training that he was here, I I think I broke him. <laughs> I, I had left for about an hour. To take, to take care of something. And he was still here at about 1 p.m. working on audio, audio files. Show ends at 10. And I'm usually done with audio files by 10.30. He's still here working on audio files at, at between 1 and 2 p.m. And he's just sitting here like kind of shaking, <laughs> like like leaning towards the computer because he's got old eyes and, and the font is super small on the computer. And it just looked like he was completely flustered. And this was the day before I was leaving. So that first segment that, that you say is the funniest <laughs> segment ever, I was literally walking out the door because I'd snuck in here to grab something. Uh, I was staying at a hotel, left something here before I got on my plane, and I could just hear the show going off and my and. I felt so bad, like I was leaving my kids behind. Um, so it, it was just a different, it was a different perspective for me, but being able to just step away and come back was everything I needed. So um, thank you for that. Well, you know, the great thing too about Nick is that to whatever extent he was overwhelmed, he never expressed it, Yeah, never showed it, uh, other than the on-the-air fun banter. Um, and he absorbed all of it, and he did exactly what we had asked him to do, and actually more. He's a pro. And as you know, he had actually he had offered to be here as long as we needed him, and he stayed right up until that last day, which was, what, two and a half weeks? Mm -hmm. That's not a small investment to ask somebody to fly from the other side of the country, leave his wife there, they're buying a new house, mm -hmm. um, and, and come out here with an open-ended uh, agreement. Well, it's been a wild ride, this 2020. Yeah. But, um, I, I'm, I am more excited about our future than I have been ever before. Having the new guy Kyle here has opened up my mind to so many different things that we could be doing here that I've always wanted to do, but it has always had to take the back burner because I just need to keep the plates spinning. Mm -hmm. Now I can put Kyle in, under the plates and I can start serving up some some tasty dishes. Right. And, and I think you're seeing that I'm already doing that too. Yeah. And I'm starting to bring you some ideas and 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 give you a vision of what the show might look or sound like. As well. It's like it's like everything else that that we do in life, we 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 make the bad things so dramatic, mm -hmm. and we make them worse by doing that. I think the obvious, most relatable example are breakups, <laughs> right? And uh, the 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 worst you were you were you lived the absolute worst two years of my life, mm -hmm. and it was after 
I, I was broken up with uh, six years ago and was blindsided and then spiraled for literally almost two years. Mm-hmm. And somehow in that two years found a way to meet Christina and keep her as I was going through all that shit and look at the difference in my life in every way, personally, professionally, and everything else. If you would have even tried that bullshit in the middle of it, mm-hmm. you know, the whole things get better, all that, I would have, I would have snapped even worse. Yeah. You don't want to be told it. You don't believe it because you're at your lowest. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing is that that out of control feeling that you had probably right before and right after the hospital incident. I there was there was nothing that I could say at that time to tell you everything was going to be okay. We could only show you, mm-hmm. and it was going to take time. And you've gotten there so quickly. And you're right. Of course, this is going to be it, the, the end result is going to be fantastic. Oh, I'm so excited about next year. And and, and it, I think we've gotten to that point where um, I I can trust to fall, and yep. and it feels. And I I, I guess I could I could gather that after I got out of the hospital and. I just allowed myself to believe it because I was so headstrong and so prideful that I couldn't believe that anybody would want to help little old me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just, I, I just can, I can go on and on about how grateful I am about everything that was surrounding that incident. But, um, honestly, it's just been this whole ride for the whole 15 years that I've been here that has been outstanding. And I'm just glad that we've been able to build on that relationship and, and, you know, it just means that there's going to be so many more great years ahead of us. Which, by the way, half of your audience right now is hearing this is your swan song. Even though you're talking oh, only know. about the future, they're like, he's about to say it's been a great 15 years and, and he'll miss you. I guess I guess it's the swan song to the old me and the new me yeah. is just a bigger, better, better pizza. Papa I like John's. the new you more. Me too. Um, which, by the way... Thinking ahead, backup plan. I, I do have a business proposition for you, and I don't know if we want to do some sort of like Shark Tank thing, um, but moving forward down the road, I do have a, a plan. It's just it, it hinges on the uh, the the industry and how popular podcasting remains to be. So I, I've got a pretty cool cool idea, and I hopefully hopefully it can uh, be executed. Well, you know, the first thing I think is what's it going to cost me in the beginning? <laughs> well, it wouldn't cost you anything up front, but if mm. you wanted to invest, then, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. No, I, I, I honestly, I've given it a lot of thought, and I got a pretty good plan in place. I think teaming up with uh, Tech2U and, and other partners that we have, it, it could open up a lot of doors for like a third-party rad um, rad conglomerate type of business. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to, I'll pick your brain about that later. More foreshadowing. Yes. Except in this case, I have no idea what he's talking about, <clears throat> but it does mean money. So that's always good. Um, so I, I went onto the prod head, uh, the prod squad, Jesus Christ. I went onto Facebook to the, uh, rad Boy, podcast group. It really is the end of the year for you. Isn't I it? am checked <laughs> out. And, and I went to the podcast group to, uh, ask the prod heads about, uh, you know, if they had one question they could ask you, what would it be? And I also put the caveat in there of one rule, don't be a jerk. Trolls will be 86th. And, uh, you know, there there is always the, the typical, oh, what happened to, to these people and those those persons? And why aren't we talking about them? And I had to just give them the generic answer that, look, that's the past. We evolve. Um, you know, there's no reason to discuss the intimate details of how business relationships ended. That's just in the past. We're moving on get over it. It's also so, unprofessional. Yeah, and I and you know, obviously there's just no reason to dig into those wounds and so I just I said those basic 
responses to to people and um they all seem very understanding um but you know there's a couple of jerks like well whatever just i just want to know <laughs> suck it um but there were also some pretty good questions here like from chris he said what would you classify as the hardest decision you've had to make in the 20 plus years that the show has been in its current ish form see hardest um implies something that's so difficult for me to wrap my head around because it's like when you were asking me, was it hard to put together that meeting with the team and, and, and Nick? Once I get to the point that I understand that it's the right decision, it's not hard anymore. So the process of going through to get to that, I mean, you can think of um, uh, certain firings where it, it was um, awful to, to go through the process of I'm trying to make this person see, I'm trying to help this person. And so that's awful. But then when it becomes obvious that you have to terminate them, it's not hard anymore. The, the, the decision to build our own studio, um, the, the whole process of, of making the decision to do that, then getting the financial side of it done. And then also, and you were here for this, the actual process of building this thing, mm-hmm. which were endless amounts of, like always, problems, hurdles, time delays, uh, off schedule. Uh, you know, we were supposed to be in our building in August of 2010. We got here at the end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, and the endless nights of coming down here and all that was hard, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't hard making the decision to do it. Once I took care of the financial stuff and, it, and, and then it was hard doing it. Mm-hmm. But so it's so difficult to me. It's like, there isn't, it implies, I think to me, cause the way I hear things, it implies regret. Yeah. And I ha- I don't have any. I don't mean to get into a Frank Sinatra song, but and 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 we have a pretty good track record of every single thing that we've done has turned out to improve the show, its success, and everything moving forward. And so uh, it, it it's an unanswerable question for me. It really is. I, I agree because it definitely is one of those things that. You, you look back and it's, well, that was hard. I don't want to do that again. You, you can't think that way. And so I think that the, the better, not a better answer, but another answer could be that anything that you do for the first time is hard. Mm-hmm. And there was a meeting that you had with us or you just a, just a conversation that you had with us, um, the team, when we were building this, this building, which, by the way, uh, two days from the day we're recording this, so by the time you people hear this will be literally the official 10 year mark for mm-hmm. the building. That's cool. Um, but there was a meeting that we had that you said, you know, this is going to be some of the most hard, grueling, arduous type of type of work you're going to ever do, but we're going to come out the other side and you're going to be amazed at what you're capable of. And I, and it was just around that time that I remember that thinking, okay, yeah, I, I'm ready for that reward. And there's never been a moment where I've I've sat around and gone, okay, when's when's that reward coming? <laughs> because the reward is to continue to be able to do this and keep building and and, and there's never going to be a point where I feel like, okay, job done. Well, and also to to the other thing about the first time you do it is hard. If for whatever reason we needed to move mm-hmm. to a new building, a whole different place in the country and build a studio again, it's not something we would look forward to. But we would not be at all intimidated by it. Exactly. We know we've done it. We know how to do it. We know what to expect, and we'd get it done. I love it. Yeah, that's it's been a it's been a great uh, tool to have to, to just live in life in general. And I, I 
I feel bad for people who don't have that type of guidance mm. in their life. It's just, it's a, uh, so Chris, I hope that answered your question. It wasn't as juicy <laughs> as you expected it to be, I don't think. Um, Kayleen says, uh, how do you balance work, the emotions of today, and your home life? 2020 has begun horrible, but he still seemed to be uh, the most put together person when everyone else is falling apart. Mm. Well, I mean, a lot of it is that stupid old boring communication thing. Uh, Christina and I uh, check in regularly with each other. And we just have a system of letting the other person know it's a 2020 day. Mm. Uh, we give each other a tremendous amount of breaks. Uh, the I think there's a similar process I'm going through in my relationship with her that's on light speed of we are both realizing that things a year ago that might have annoyed us about the other are not important at all. Mm. And we just kind of go, it's 2020. Mm -hmm. And the way the reason you're acting like this or the reason I'm taking it like this is that um, and the the biggest the biggest challenge has been for us is what she alluded to the the finding the time uh, with her in law school and my schedule uh, we are often ships passing in the night so we kind of we at various times this year we have lived our relationship through text because and I've said it on the air any communication is better than no communication and that's where you get that disconnect and that's where people start to feel like they're roommates and that they're not with the person that they love and. And that can lead to really bad decisions or feelings or lack thereof or um, or, or worse. Um, and and also the ability to it doesn't sound like it on the air when we talk about it. But the most important thing is I have the ability to say, I'm I'm going to I'm not going to work. I'm done working. I'm going to I'm going to plop on the couch. Mm -hmm. um, and sh and she has the ability to tell me that I need to and know that I'm not going to bite her head off. So that that's that's all you have to you have to make time. You've been talking about this a lot have to make time for self-care yeah you have to and if you don't you will not get through life in general and certainly challenges like this year and i think so you do you feel like you've been you've grown more empathetic this year than 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 prior or do you feel like you've always been this empathetic but you just let it out more because it's 2020 yeah i i uh, i'm sure it's had an effect on my level of of empathy um, although I have also grown less tolerant, even more less tolerant of stupidity. Yeah. Uh, especially what I call willful stupidity. If you're just choosing to not know or understand, I'm getting less and less able to even deal with you. Yeah. And I think that's okay. We've got to cut to the chase <laughs> these days. It's, there's, you, there's no time to debate the stupid. Right. Really. Um, what has been your most satisfying achievement thus far? What in the whole career? Yeah. Um, so that there's two that come to mind. Uh, one I've I've alluded to before on the air was about five or six years ago uh, when we made a change in the show that literally no one in my life agreed with outside of the most inner circle. Uh, and by that, I mean, basically the, the rad family and and no one else. And even our partners, our, our uh, radio station affiliates, uh, people in the industry that I trust there. No one agree and they didn't care why i was making the decision none of that mattered to them none of it made sense it was a it was um it was a death trap and and, and even before i did it certain individuals that i was would would meet with were using legal phrases um uh, it's basically giving me the dog whistle of there's this wording in our contract and if what you do results in this i'm basically telling you we're going to fire you and then to make that that move that absolutely no one supported and to then have them almost literally hear, holy shit, 
this is better, and then to see the ratings skyrocket for an already wildly successful show. That's one. But the other one is uh, is back to this year. Yeah. The 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 the, the pandemic and the challenges that were put before me as a manager in March and April are something that I, I to use an overused phrase I have been preparing for this my entire career. Yeah. And I I was able to back to that guy who asked about the hard thing. It, there was there was as hard as the year has been, there was nothing hard about me figuring out exactly what this show needed to do on the business side, on the personnel side, on the content side. It all just came no matter how exhausting it was so naturally and there's no way i can't be proud of that do you know how many people you've impacted like how many people you've changed their lives how many people respect you more than you'll ever know how many people look up to you are you aware of how much impact you have in this yes. world yes very much so yeah um as part of the obligation heavy and lies it, the crown and it, 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 it see that makes it sound like a burden yeah and that's what that's what i use that question from whoever that was that's what i use on those mornings when it's five fifty nine, and I literally don't feel like I want to do the show or I'm not, or saying this is a very rare thing, but I feel this occasionally I'm like not confident at all. Yeah. And I take six minutes to remember that and the lights go on and it always works. I have, I have come to that realization more so recently. Um, when we get these emails, you know, we get a lot of emails where people say, we love you guys. You can't live a day without you, but there's certain people that have certain where, and after my, my incident, there were so many novels from people mm. that of, of not just how I've impacted their lives, but the show on the whole has, has made their lives dramatically better and how important it is right now, which just solidified for me that very thing that I understand the importance for the levity, the entertainment, the laughs, the smiles, the cries, all of the things that we bring to the table are more important now than ever. And so I'd have to agree with you that that's this year has been just that paramount moment for me to realize I I am confident now. I, I have that ability to finally agree with whatever what I've been hearing and not just brushing it off as oh you're just being nice. Well, the other thing too is to the to the question of realizing your importance the, one of the ways I got over that years ago was think about the things in your life, and, and I think it's most relatable if you use entertainment-based things, that you, you literally rely on for relaxation, for an escape, whether it's Family Guy or uh, your favorite stand-up comedian, somebody who, who drives you. Um, you ever told them? Right. No, I have never reached out to Seth MacFarlane right. or, or Jerry Seinfeld or Dave. And, and I'm talking about people that like – Ricky Gervais, right? There's a guy that I will I will go as far across the earth as I have to to see him anytime I can. I never told him. So if we get all those emails that you're talking about, how mm -hmm. many other people are there that are relying on us like that? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I take it seriously, absolutely. And, and it just speaks more volumes to to this type of media. Is that no other other than like stand up comedy or you know honest writing and honest uh, authors or, t or television shows that are real, do they even compare to something like this where we have, you know, three inches from our mouths to this microphone and we're straight to somebody's head? Yeah. We don't, there's no filter between us. It's just straight 
connection. And I and I love that, and but I also hold it with high esteem and I would never disrespect it. Um, you know, unless we're on the sixth hour and then we can well, yeah. just let it fly. But and also that sense of mattering too, which came early in my career, is also what solidified never wanting to have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have children because it's the only thing that gives them meaning in life. Not everybody. Don't send in your letters. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I wasn't interested to begin with. And then the the minute it hit me of, oh, wow, I can, I can, why, why impact one life when I can do this really well? And it was, that was easy. I've never rethought that one. Travis wants to know, are you going to write a book? Like a I've, tell-all? I, I've uh, you know, I, we've actually talked about that. By the way, we just wrote a cookbook. I know that's not the Hello. same thing. It's like 400 recipes. Um, I, I've, that's been thrown around so many times and I just don't know. I mean, I would have to figure out what this audience would, cause this is the, I mean, who the hell else is going to buy it? Right. Um, and what, and what can I possibly write that hasn't already been said or, or thought of, but, um. Uh, maybe I don't know. I I, I got to figure out the theme. I don't know. <laughs> well, you have a breadth of work on audio files. I mean, yeah. and you got your soapboxes. We talk about publishing your soapboxes into a like a book. Yeah, I just eh. Eh. yeah, yeah. I, know. I feel it too. I, I say, eh. who reads books anyways? Which, by the way, are you, do you read like a regular on a regular basis books just for leisure? I used to before mm-hmm. 2020. That's one thing that's gone out. That that form of self care does not apply my former self-care in 2020 are quick hits 30 30 minutes on the sofa uh sports things like that the ability to commit to a book because if i'm going to read a book i need to know i can read it every day right and i got to be able to do 20 minutes a day so um i'm, I'm behind on my book reading but i'm usually a, a pretty regular reader um we only have like five minutes till you have to go so um i'm going to try to pick some quick hits of the of the, the greatest hits here of the, the remaining questions matt says rob when can we get a documentary style rad short film like uh, the foo fighters back and forth or even just a day in the life of mm, that that might be something in in brandon's uh and my head of down the road but there's a lot that goes into that the camera crews and everything else that you need it's it's not something we haven't thought of but that's a big project the one thing that annoys me and i know will annoy you is that if they were to really do a day in the life they'd have to be at our houses filming before we even wake up unless we they do right. that that silly canned production thing where oh i'm just waking <laughs> up and my alarm just went off you know that that annoys me and i just which I, we could do it for three or four or five yeah. days to get the footage but uh, it that's that's just a little taste of how much would go into it <laughs> great um uh, that's one stupid oh yeah, that one was stupid too I should have. I see. I had audio file issues before we started recording this, and I just posed this question this morning. Which had I, we've been planning this for a few days. I could have posed this question a few days ago, but I like to do things um, under pressure. You know, I feel like I work best on my toes. Yeah, I'm trying to break you of that. <laughs> um, oh, what's your favorite thing about Christina, and what is your least favorite thing about her? Um, favorite thing about Christina is a combination of her her strength and her grace uh with not just me but with with everybody and, but but most notably her unrelenting joy for life at all times um least favorite thing is that she is as headstrong as I am and so that that causes us to butt heads uh and um and then, uh, then everything else is all that annoying stuff that just everybody <laughs> has. Yeah, because uh, I think if you're with somebody and you can quickly answer 
the most or the worst thing about them or and it's anything beyond lighthearted, you're not with the right person. Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, how long do you realistically think radio shows have before the wave of technology wipes them all out? Well, 2020 has not helped that because I, I, in 2019, <laughs> I would have said, stop it. Radio's not going anywhere. This is all overblown. And the statistics show that, by the way. Radio usage in 2019 was up uh, and has been going up because it's still accessible and free, etc. 2020, with everybody working from home, not just in America, but across the world, where not a lot of people necessarily have radios in their home anymore. Or routine. And and so when they do want to listen, they they use Alexa or they use apps or things like that. And that's why radio has been decimated because if you're home and you want to listen to music, you don't go to the radio. Mm-hmm. So you have to have something like this show that you want to seek out. And we have shown people how easy it is to do without a radio. Mm-hmm. So the the good news is I don't care. Right. We are set up to be here, uh, whatever here is, for as long as we want to be. And it'll always be a way to get us. And podcasting, fortunately, has shown to, has proven that that is the next format, or at least the the uh, the bridge from radio to broadcasting another medium. The bad thing about podcasting is it's also shown that anyone literally can have a broadcast oh, and there are so many true. who should not. It's so funny. There's a meme out there uh, of like uh, the, the millennials these days uh, that the dude has a podcast and the, 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 the girl has an OnlyFans page. It's like <laughs> <laughs> everybody's doing this. So true. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you, uh, do you think that there is an industry where you don't have to work as hard as you and your staff to be successful? What? Yeah. I don't understand the question. Like, do you think that there's some other ind- industry that would that you can be this successful but not have to work as hard as we do? That we would be in or that exists? Just in general, Oh, yes. God, yes. Turn on the TV. <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. The, 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 when you reach a certain level of, like, news anchor, um, oh, my God, endless. There are endless people working a fraction of hard as we and who never worked as hard as we do mm-hmm. who are earning 10 times what we do but i'm not bitter not at all <laughs> <laughs> well uh yeah that's all i got you gotta get you out of here all right um thank you so much rob yep. uh, i'm grateful for all of the opportunity the ability to do this podcast which by the way when we first started i just thought oh great just another thing for me to do <laughs> but it's actually turned out to be not just uh therapeutic for me um, it's it's helped me grow and evolve and 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 uh, gain some muscle that I didn't think that I had. And you've and done a great job with it, and you've you. and you've grown it into its own beast, your beast, which it which it should have been. And you already know how much I love you, and I love having you around. So don't fuck it up. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Namaste, bitches. The Brad. Broadcast.